first day of work. Maybe it was your first job in high school. Maybe it was your first job out of college. But can you remember, you know, where it was, who you worked for? Can you, can you remember the first day? Did it, did it go well or, or was it a little off? I came across some interesting stories this week of some first day on the job stories. I'm just going to share a couple of them. First one is from Jessica. Now, Jessica was a teenager. She went and applied for a job at the gift shop at the local hospital. And she was pretty stoked because they called her back and offered her the job. She got the job. So she went for her first day at work, got there, and, and the manager looked at her and gave her a very, very strange look. And the manager said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. We, we actually interviewed two people named Jessica, and we meant to hire the other one. Yeah, bless, right? Manager apologized again and, and gave her a free candy bar for her trouble. Yeah. Now, look, I got to be honest. I'd be upset about the job. You know, I'm, I would want the job. But hey, <laughs> free candy bar is free candy bar, you know? I mean, come on. It's no, no problem, no trouble. Just roll on. Another one was someone who went for their first day on the job at a corporate job. They were super excited. They're there in the big corporate office. Everything's going well. And, and somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, the whole department that they worked in was called in for this special meeting. And at the special meeting, everybody in that department was told that they were going to be laid off. <laughs> How about that? First day on the job and you get fired. Nothing like that. You ever had a day like that? Ever had a day where you thought things were going well, thought things were going good, you're feeling pretty good about things, and, and all of a sudden something comes crashing in and seems to ruin everything. Now, the prophet Habakkuk was having a day just like that. His entire country had been overtaken by sin, by violence, by wickedness, by injustice. And he found himself burdened and overwhelmed and confused amidst all the chaos of what was going on in his nation. And so he took his burden and he took it to the Lord. And he said, God, I just need you to help me with this. And so God responded to him and said, Habakkuk, look, I'm going to take care of everything. And look, I'm even going to tell you my plan. Here's the plan. The plan was a bit strange. The plan was God was going to bring a nation that was more wicked, more violent, more sinful, more unjust. And he was going to bring that nation, the Chaldeans, and they were going to come and take over and conquer Habakkuk's nation, and they were going to rule them. Now, Habakkuk probably started thinking when he heard that news, you know, God, if that's the cure, I'll stick with the disease. Just, just back off. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. How do you think you'd respond to a strange plan from God? How would you respond if, if things weren't happening exactly like you thought they would happen? Or maybe put another way, how do you normally respond to what feels like and sounds like bad news? What's your normal response when things are not going the way that you wanted them to go? How do you deal with bad news? And does it matter how you respond? Does it really matter? Well, let's see if we can find out this morning. We're going to look at Habakkuk, beginning in chapter 1, verse 12. And through Habakkuk's words, we're going to look for the upside 
in all the bad news. Verse 12, Habakkuk says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Habakkuk hears what sounds like very strange, very bad news, and he's immediately overwhelmed. He's immediately confused. He immediately starts asking some questions. Now, his questions are are different. They're questions that he wants answers to, but they're also questions that are kind of mixed with things that he already knows. So he's looking for answers, but he's also looking for some affirmations. He's affirming some things. That's a really good way to respond to bad news. Habakkuk doesn't panic. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't start yelling at God. He doesn't start accusing God of being unfair. What he does is he begins to remember who God is. As believers, we should respond in the exact same way. When bad news comes our way, one of the first things we should do is say, wait a minute, who is God? No matter what the the trouble or the trial or the tribulation or even the tragedy may be, let us quickly run to what God has declared about himself in the pages of the Bible. Who is God? Habakkuk's needing to affirm some things that he knows about God. And truthfully, he wants God to affirm these things too. He's wanting a moment like Moses had. He's wanting to hear God say, Habakkuk, listen, I am who I am. He wanted to hear that. This scene is is similar in maybe kind of a silly way to like if I was talking to my wife and I had some questions to try to deal with the issue we were dealing with. And I I might not be able to think straight at the beginning, so I might say, all right, well, you're my wife, right? You got red hair, right? We have four kids, right? And then, and then I'm good. Okay, just make sure I'm with the right person, right conversation. Okay, everything good. I'm, I'm fine. Now here's, here's something we need to deal with. See, Habakkuk, he's, he's got some questions, but he's putting them with affirmations. So his questions are not doubting questions. They're questions of confusion. He, he didn't understand, but they're not doubting questions. It's only 47 days till Christmas, and as the staff will tell you, I'm all about holidays, so I always keep up with these things. And So, you know, 47 days away from Christmas, so, so here we go. Why don't we take a moment to look at a couple of birth announcements from the Christmas story, okay? Look at the differences between two birth announcements. So the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah and said, I got a message from God for you. Your wife is going to have a baby. And how did he respond to Gabriel? Luke chapter 1, verse 18. How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. So he looks at Gabriel and says, well, I don't know. How do I know this story is true? I don't know. Why don't you start with the fact it's an angel from God talking to you? That's a good place to start. You know, you're talking to an angel. You're getting a message from heaven. Start there as a reason you might be able to believe the story. His question was a question of, of doubt. I, mean, I, I don't know. You know, my wife thought, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, how do I know this is true? But then you have Mary's birth announcement. So Gabriel comes to Mary also a message from God, hey, you're going to have a baby. And how did Mary respond? Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How can this be since I am a virgin? It it sounds similar, but it's very different. 
See, Mary's not doubting that God's going to do it. She's not questioning that that he is able to do it. She's just not sure how it's physiologically going to happen. Because she knew she was a virgin. She she knew she was honoring God with her body. I I don't know how this is going to work. She was confused, not doubting, just didn't quite understand. Habakkuk's the same. He's not doubting God. But he doesn't understand. He's he's confused with how this is God's ways. He's looking at things and saying, God, this doesn't seem like you, so I I need you to to help me think through this. But in helping him think through this, he said, God, as I ask you questions, I want to affirm some things about you. And there's three things he affirms here. One, he says what? Lord, you are from everlasting. You're, You're everlasting. I love how one pastor put it. From horizon to horizon, God is God, and he's God beyond it. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, has no beginning and has no end. He is God, and there is no other. He is self-existent. We are not self-existent. In order for us to exist, we need God. And even if you don't believe in God... At the very least, you need your parents. So you are not self-existent in any way, shape, or form, but God is self-existent. No beginning, no end. He is everlasting. He is eternal. And that is really good news when you're dealing with bad news. And Habakkuk knows it. So in his question, he says, God, you're, you're everlasting. The second thing he affirms, he says, Lord, you are my God. This isn't just the preacher's God. This isn't just grandma or grandpa's God. This isn't just Billy Graham's God. This is his God. Habakkuk is saying in his question, God, I have a personal relationship with you. I am in a personal relationship with the one true creator of the entire universe. I am personally daily involved with the author and perfecter and finisher of my faith. Paul was writing to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded and completely confident that he is keeping and hanging on to what I've given him, namely my life. Habakkuk was not confused about who God was. Let me ask you a question. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? What is God like? How does God think? How does God act? What is it that we see that God has said about himself? Because see, when bad news comes, it's really important that you actually know who God is, not just know things about God. And Habakkuk says, this God, he's my God. And that is a really big deal when you are dealing with bad news. Can you say, this is my God? Back it says, Lord, you are everlasting. You are my God. And the third thing he says in his opening question is, God, you're holy. You, you are holy. Isaiah, Revelation, we, we have this very strategic song, this picture. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
As someone has wisely said, we could say other, other, other is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come because God is other. He is not like anyone or anything. He is all by himself. No one at your birthday party gathers around the cake and sings holy, holy, holy to you. Because we're not, but he is. He is holy, holy, holy. He is the only one. He's the only one who's other. He's the only one that's holy. And that is really, really good news when you're dealing with bad news. When you're in a relationship with the only one who is other, 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 holy, 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 that means he's the only one who can take care of whatever it is that you're going through. Habakkuk says, Lord, you're everlasting. You're my God and you are holy. And and what does that do to him? Listen to verse 12 again. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Just his question, just his affirmations of who God is, they had an immediate impact on his heart and his mind and his soul. Listen, that's why we memorize scripture. That's why we sing hymns and praise songs. We want to be sure that we've got the words inside of us. I had a, I have an MRI on Friday. I've been having problems with my neck for over a year. And, and, and I'm sitting there. If you've ever had an MRI, it is absolutely the worst experience of your life, okay? Um, I had one some years ago, and, and the, the lady came up afterwards. She goes, sir, did you sleep through that? And I said, ma'am, I don't ever get to sit still, so undoubtedly this was a good time to sit still. I slept through my last MRI. Didn't sleep through this one this week. Um, it, it, but why, it's, it's noisy. It's loud. I have no idea. I mean, if, if we put a man on a moon, why does that thing have to beep at us so much? It's terrible. But you know, as a believer, how do you make it through an MRI? How do you make it with God's word? You make it by praying and, and being thankful for what God is doing. You make it by, by singing and humming hymns in your mind. You, you make it with the truth of God. I promise you, in the middle of that MRI, I was not comforting my heart in the craziness of that moment with my favorite food, my favorite team, or my favorite TV show. It was the truth of God, the comfort of God. That's all Habakkuk's doing. He's making sure that in the middle of his chaos, in the middle of his confusion, he immediately is saying, wait a minute, God, who are you? And it has an immediate effect on him. It changes his countenance. It changes how he thinks. He says, God, you're my everlasting God. You're, You're my holy God. And you are sending these Chaldeans. This this is your plan to deal with your people, to rebuke your people, to change your people, to draw your people back to you. This is your plan, to deal with your people. But in doing that, Habakkuk is saying, but you know what? We are still your people. And you are still our God. That's, That's what he's doing. Strange plan, bad news, He's confused, doesn't understand. This whole thing is sounding crazy, chaotic. But he says, wait a minute. 
I just need to reign in my heart and remember my God is still on the throne. And even if I die, I won't die. Habakkuk knew that. Even if I lose my life, I won't lose my life because God, you're going to keep your promise to me. Paul's writing to folks in Rome and he said this, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Similar to what he said in Philippians. Hey, if I, if I live, I have Christ. If I, if I die, I gain more of Christ. And he says this, so then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. I've shared this thought with you before. It's, I mean, I say it to myself. I try to make sure I say it to myself every night. But, but it, it never loses its punch. Jeff Thomas said this, We are the Lord's. I know of no softer pillow at night for anyone than that. To be the Lord's is everything you need. Everything. Remember what Moses said to the people as they were moving closer to the promised land? He goes, hey, don't. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Why? We've got a great army. I'm a good-looking guy with great hair. Just follow me. It's good. No. Moses said, be strong. Be courageous. Because the Lord your God is with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. That hasn't changed. The Lord will not leave you. The Lord will not forsake you. That's really good news to believe when you're dealing with bad news. It's, it's the news that we need more than anything. And notice again that Habakkuk refers to the Lord as, as rock. You know, with gracious apologies to Dwayne Johnson, the Lord of Israel, the Lord of hosts, he is the only true rock. Only God there's no one like him. He can't be moved. He does not change. His plans and his purposes cannot be canceled. You may not like what God does. You may not agree with what God does. You may be confused about what God does. But please understand, there is nothing that happens in the universe unless God ordains it. And if we don't believe that, then we will always struggle singing a hymn listening to a sermon, going to a Bible study, watching the news, or anything else in life. But Jesus died to make sure that our hearts would know this is our God and there is no other. And his plans will never be changed. That's really good news when you're dealing with bad news. Stories told of a Christian woman that had a skeptical neighbor. Her neighbor wasn't sure about the whole Christianity thing, specifically the whole idea of assurance of salvation. And the skeptical neighbor asked the Christian neighbor one day, she said, well, what if God, you know, he didn't keep his word? What if he didn't hold up his end of the bargain? And I love what this godly woman said back to her. She said this, well, his loss would be greater than mine. I would lose my soul, that's true, but he would lose his honor. Dear friend, let me promise you something. God will never lose his honor. It's impossible. And that's really good news 
when we're dealing with bad news, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel confused, we need to remember, just like Habakkuk, you know what? God is everlasting. God is holy. God is the rock of all ages, and he is my God. He is my God. Habakkuk was convinced of these things. He wasn't confused about that. He understood that. But that made it all the harder for him to understand what was going on. It made him all the more confused. So so he keeps asking some questions. Listen to verse 13. You who are purer of eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at the traitors and remain silent? When the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. This is a very honest pleading, right? God, you're pure, you're perfect. How can you look at this and not do something? God, why why are you not intervening? God, you seem to be dealing with wickedness, with wickedness, and that doesn't seem like your way. I, I, I think he's very sincere in this. I don't think he's confused about who God is. I think he is sincerely struggling with wickedness being the answer for wickedness. He he doesn't understand. Have you ever had a moment like that in your life where you're like, God, what are you doing? God, God, this is what's happening. Why, Why aren't you doing something to change this? But more often than not, we're not overtly sincere like Habakkuk. Really what we're kind of thinking is, God, this is not how I would do things. Listen, praise God, he doesn't do things the way I do things and the way you do things. Praise God, he doesn't do things like we do things. We are selfish, we are sinful, we sometimes have no clue what the right thing is. We have one set of rules for us and our family, and we have a whole other set of rules that we apply to other people. We condemn when we should show compassion. That's that's the pattern that we have. But not God. God is perfect in all of his ways. The psalmist said this, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been fast to anger this week? (laughs) How about I just confess for all of us, okay? But not God. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. Psalmist says this, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Just mercy after mercy after mercy and grace after grace after grace. This is how God does things. Habakkuk knows all of those things are true, but he's in the chiding right now. He's he's in the middle of this time where where things aren't right, and he's confused. He doesn't understand why this is going to play out the way it's going to play out. Because here's the thing. The reality is this nation was coming in to conquer them. They were going to lose. They weren't going to win. There were going to be this moment where, you know, their veterans were going to be able to stand up and say, hey, we won the battle. It wasn't going to happen. They were going to be defeated. And he was, God, what are you doing? He, he knew that God's people were, were going to be arrested. Some of them were going to be persecuted. Some were going to be killed. And he's saying, God, why? Why, Lord, are you doing this? I think he's asking very sincerely. 
I think he's not asking questions that are any different than the questions that we would ask. But if we were really able to pull away everything in the world, I think Habakkuk would probably also say this. Wait a minute. Hang on a second, God. Let me rephrase. God, why have you not already dealt with us according to our sins? God, I'm confused about what's going on, but what I should really say is, Lord, why in the world are you still showing mercy and grace? Have we considered that in 2020? Not my opinion, not your opinion about God. Unimportant. Your opinion about God, my opinion about God, unimportant. Okay. Your opinion about the state of the nation, my opinion about the state of the nation, unimportant. Just walk with this question. The Old Testament and the New, the patterns that we see, what is God like? What is God like? Even if you've never read the Bible, you've got a, a picture of this. So what is God like in the Bible? Is it like God or unlike God? To send something to draw his church to repentance. And if his church refuses to repent, he'll do something else. Does that sound crazy? Does that sound made up? Or does that sound very consistent with the one true creator God? That he sends one thing and we say, I'm tired of this. I want things back to normal. Stop taking away my freedom. Instead of, Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us for wandering from you. And is it unlike God in the Old Testament that when his people, not non-Christians, Christians refuse to repent, when they build up an arrogance instead of humility, is it unlike God to put someone in charge of the nation that they didn't prefer? Is that not in the Bible anywhere? Do we never see that type of activity? just a casual glance at the Bible and we should all say yeah, none of this should be surprising to us but we ask why and I'll tell you the answer because our God is merciful and gracious our God is merciful and gracious he is longing, desiring that his people would always turn to him, turn to him, turn to him And in his kindness, sometimes he'll do things that we don't like to draw us back to him so that we can be safe, so that we can be free, so that we can have joy that can never be taken away from us. This is our merciful God who is slow to anger and abundant in grace. Abundant. Habakkuk's confusion doesn't disappear though. Listen to verse 14. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He he gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices 
to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? <laughs> honest question, right? Habakkuk's like, help me, God. You're sending a nation of people who hate you and worship themselves. And that's your plan? That's how you're dealing with this? Have you ever been at the beach and, and you've watched a guy walk out like knee deep in the, in the water and he has one of those big nets and he throws it out there? And man, I've watched those guys throw it out there like 30 times and pull it back and they get nothing. You know, just nothing. Bless their hearts. Chaldeans, that wasn't going to happen. They were going to catch every time they threw the net. This was going to be a successful fishing expedition for them. They were going to conquer. They were violent, ruthless people, and they were going to win. And Habakkuk says, why? Why, Lord? Lord, why does it seem like evil and wickedness are getting the upper hand? Why does it seem like the people who are arrogant and they worship themselves and they, they deny you, why does it seem like they are the ones being affirmed? Why, Lord, why? Honest questions. The same questions we would have. So Habakkuk's asked his questions, and so what happens next? Chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. I love this picture. So Habakkuk very honestly asked some hard questions to the Lord. And he's like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm leaving them with you. Now I'm going up on my tower and I'm going to watch. Now, I don't know if he physically went up on a tower. He could have, but he at least mentally went up on a tower. In other words, what he did was he said, you know what? This is what's going on. I, I need to go somewhere where I can get up above all this. I need to go somewhere now that I've, I've asked my questions. I need to go somewhere and I need to be still and I need to watch and I need to wait. How do you wait on the Lord? How do you watch and wait on the Lord? It's not always easy, I'll confess. But, but I think if we were to make it super, super practical, somehow we kind of got to get in a tower, you know? I mean, a few weeks ago, the illustration we used was, you know, don't look at your phone for the first 15 minutes of the day. I, that's a thing. That's a way to watch and wait on the Lord, you know? Just don't, just don't run to it. I think another way to watch and wait on the Lord is, is not to always ask your pastor for advice. Not to always ask your Christian friends for advice. Do that. It's good. I mean, I, I don't think I'm a moron. I usually give pretty good advice. But, but, you know, sometimes we just need to be alone with the Lord. That's part of watching and waiting. We're alone with God's Word. We're alone with Him. And, and then the hardest part is whatever plan you drew up, just don't take it to the tower. Just, just don't. Just go and, and watch and wait. It could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years. Do you ever think about the passage that we refer to often in Jeremiah? I know the plans I have for you. Oh, people graduate from high school, oh, I know the plans I have for you. You know when that was fulfilled for them? Decades later. That's what I'm going to say next year on 
graduation Sunday. Hey, God knows the plans you have for you, plans to prosper you, plans for your good, and you may not see it until you're 80. That's encouraging, right? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of us as believers have been in relationships and situations that we didn't get answers fast? That it took a couple of decades. It took a few weeks or two years. And we have to watch and we have to wait and we have to trust. Habakkuk's like, all right, God, here's my questions. Now I'm going up on the tower. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. I'm going to wait. Please, please help me. I think all of us have moments where we turn to the Lord and we say, why? Why, God? But, but it would be really good for us to own some of what we see in Habakkuk. That we would take it and run with it. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, There is nothing more consoling or reassuring when oppressed by the problems of history and when wondering what is to happen in the world than to remember that the God whom we worship is outside the flux of history. He has preceded history. He has created history. His throne is above the world, outside time. He reigns in eternity. He is the everlasting That does help tremendously when we remember that our God is outside of history and over history and there is never a millisecond of eternity, time, present, past, future, where he is not thoroughly and completely on his throne. That'll never change. You know, this talk of history, the the greatest event in history, happened about 600 years after Habakkuk went up in his tower. God decided that he was going to deal with sin and violence and wickedness and injustice once and for all. And his plan was again a little strange. This time he was not going to send a wicked nation to conquer his people. Now this time He was going to send his son to rescue dead sinners like me and like you. And when you consider that, it is a fair question. Why? Lord, why would you send Jesus from heaven to sacrifice for me so that I could be free? God, why would you do that? Paul answers that question for us in Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were exhausted with 2020, Even then, God made us alive together with Christ. And then, in in this translation, one of the greatest phrases ever to be put in parentheses, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. By grace and mercy and everlasting love you have been saved. Do you know that grace? 
I mean, is that grace part of who you are? Habakkuk said, Lord, you are my God. He said it confidently. Can you say it confidently today? Can you confidently say that God is your God? Are you the Lord's? If so, then dear friend, please know this. Tonight, you have the softest pillow in the universe.